Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. We all have family, yet no two families are alike. For some of us, family brings to mind the people who are or were most directly related to us, our parents, siblings, children. For others, family is untraditional. It's the people who extended love when we most needed it. And yet, for some, we acknowledge that family is a reminder of brokenness, that on this side of heaven, things are just not the way they're supposed to be. The Bible has a lot to say about family. It's filled with genealogies and stories of generations who followed God, albeit not always perfectly, who were used to advance his story and kingdom. It's ultimately a reminder that in Christ, we always belong in God's family, adopted as his sons and daughters. Mike Darris was living a life far from the Lord when he found himself in a desperate situation and in need of a place to live. At the time, he was dating his now wife, Tammy, whose parents agreed to take Mike into their home until he got back on his feet. Tammy's parents, Jerry and Judy Brubaker, were committed followers of Jesus, and it was ultimately their love and kindness towards Mike that eventually brought him to a saving relationship with Jesus. Today, Mike and Jerry are both here to tell us the whole story of how God has been at work in their family for the last 30 plus years. So let's hear from Mike and Jerry. Mike, your son Adam is our director of young adults here at Calvary, and he preached a message where he shared a little bit of your story, which was the catalyst for you being here. So thank you for being here at Pursuing Life and bringing your father-in-law along with you to, uh, to tell the rest of the story. Yes. It's fun to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it too. And so to start off, I would just appreciate if both you and Jerry can introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and your connection with Calvary Church, how long you've been here and anything else you would like to say. Well, my name is uh, Mike. I am married to Jerry's daughter, Tammy. We've been married for about 36 years. Mm-hmm. We um, came to Calvary when we first got married, and then we left and went down to Maryland. We stayed there for three years and then came back here. And when we were here for a few years, then we left again, went out to California to study out there. We stayed out in California for 11, 11 and a half years, and we eventually came back here in 2004. Uh, we have three kids, he, uh, Adam and Alex and Julia, and we have four grandkids. That must be fun. And we have Julia, my only daughter, having a child in like four weeks. Tam and I, we love to walk. We do a lot of walking, good time to talk. We love to watch TV once in a while. We love Heartland. It's about horses and things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit about my background. I love to play basketball. I play twice a week and God has been gracious to allow me to to play ball. I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah. That's great. Jerry, who are you? Well, I've been around Calvary Church for about 80 years. 
Wow. I um, came here as an elementary child in summer Bible school at the old church on Duke Street. And um, I remember I was in love with my teacher. <laughs> oh, I thought she was so wonderful. And I tell her that and she laughs. She's still living. Rose Girl, I can believe her name is. Wow. And uh, I was saved at the tent meeting that Calvary Church held at 10 years of age with uh, Reverend Fred Brown. And then I was ordained by Dr. Tory at Calvary Church. And um, I joined at age 16. And I I was an elder for six years and taught an ABF for 20 years. Wow. So you have a long legacy here at Calvary Church. Almost from the beginning. Yes. Wow. I'm sure there aren't a whole lot of people who are here that can say that they were at the church on duke street yeah that's really special yeah i'm sure you have a lot of stories you could share oh yeah so to to start this story we really have to start with mike we'll need to kind of go all the way back to the beginning so mike can you tell me where you're from originally and how you first ended up here in lancaster well i'm from uh madison wisconsin that's where i grew up and um, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a pharmacist. I have four other brothers and a sister. And when I got out of college, I got involved in a multi-level marketing outfit. That was, and I, I think this is important because it laid the foundation for my, for my greed. And it laid a foundation because I thought they promised wealth. They promised a lifestyle. They promised a certain thing. And, and I was all in. Hmm. And so... I began to want money more and more and more. It also laid the foundation for a kind of thinking, uh, a new age thinking, a being positive, think and grow rich, this attitude, but that'll play in a little bit later. And when, after about four and a half years trying to build this business, I left that and got into sales, more of a, like a high powered sales. So I was involved at a campground where we would invite RV owners to come in and we would give them a free gift and then we would try to sell them a membership if they bought that membership, then they could travel the country and stay at many, many campgrounds for only a dollar. Okay. Interesting. But the problem was it was high powered. <laughs> they were going to get a mouthful and they were going to be pressured until we could get a decision. So it was, it was just really interesting. And I'd never been involved in that. I learned how to close, learn how to push people, learn to get the product sold, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was back in Wisconsin. And then I heard, oh, they're opening up a new resort in Rehoboth, Delaware. I was single. I thought, boy, that sounds like a great idea, right? So, but it wouldn't be ready for a couple of months. So we left there and went down to Illinois and was down in Illinois doing the same thing for a few months. Eventually it, it became open in Rehoboth, Delaware. So we, we traveled across the country and uh, we ended up in Lancaster. But the problem was the resort wasn't ready. So we were sitting in Lancaster in early July thinking that we were going to go right to Rehoboth, but that wasn't the case. So we, they put us up in hotels. We were supposed to be there for a week. A week turned into seven weeks. So I began selling membership at a place locally here that did the same thing. But that was the time that when I met Tammy, which I'm sure we'll talk about. What brought me here, though, was really campground sales, hoping to move to Rehoboth and, and make money doing that. But we ended up in Lancaster, and that's how, how we ended up here. That is so fascinating. And yeah. it's, it's interesting that multi-level sales really hasn't changed. I don't know. I've been, <laughs> I, that's, not the, that's not where you want to go. I, I mean, same I idea, you, right? Like it's promising something that is probably very addictive. 
You have no idea. Because I come from a, a family of affluent people. They, uh, I wanted to make money, right? But what you learn there is they do a lot of promising. And again, they lay this foundation of wealth and, uh, you know, and greed and, and, uh, and a way of thinking that, oh, just be positive. But if, as you, once you become a Christian, you realize it's not about being positive. Thinking, it's about a heart that needs to be right. Yeah. So you can look good on the outside and, and, and fool anybody. But inside, you know you're in big trouble. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So That yeah. is so interesting. So you said then that eventually being in Lancaster led you to meet Tammy, who is now your wife. Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So what do you do when you, uh, the, the, the people that sold these things were, were worldly in a sense. I mean, they, we went out, we partied, we drank, we, you know, you work hard during the day and then you go out to the bars mm -hmm. and you dance and so forth. Well, we got the Lancaster, we hit a few bars. I went down to a place called The Village. Okay. And I'm dancing and um, wow, I looked to my left and up at the bar, I'm down there, I go, wow, that is one beautiful girl. Mm. So this blonde was up at the bar and I thought, I gotta talk to her, but I thought, oh my gosh, she's with a guy. What am I gonna do here, you know? So I waited and waited and waited and, and uh, he finally left. <laughs> And I'm just, I was there and I said, hi, I'm Mike, you know, introduce myself. And we talked for a few minutes and, uh, you know, me, I was, I'm all, I, w I was all over the place mentally. I mean, I could not drink and look like I had drank a ton or I could drink <laughs> a lot and I would look like I was drinking, you know, that kind of thing. So what I found out was that that was her brother. And, no I, and, way. <laughs> and, and, and I said, if I had known that before this, I would have been here a long time ago. I bet. Right. So, so what happened was that evening while I was there, I kept trying to get her number, but she wouldn't give it to me. Okay. We had just met. I just wanted to see her again, right? So we left, and um, there were only a few bars that people really went to. And so as much as I hate to admit it, uh, she came out regularly with her brother. So I, if she wasn't at this bar, I'd try the other one. Eventually, she would always be there. So, uh -huh. oh, what are you doing here? You know, kind of that kind of thing. Uh -huh. So we, we uh, began to talk and enjoy each other, and her brother was there the whole time. But there came a time when uh, he needed to fade away because her brother was fantastic, but he realized that we had more than just a friendship. So mm -hmm. it was really kind of cool. But that's kind of how we met in that bar. Yeah. So was, it's she, really, was she in college at that time? She was. She was a junior and um, at Bloomsburg. At, at Bloomsburg, and I met her early July of 1985. So what happened was eventually our resort opened, and I went back. I went down to Rehoboth, Delaware at the end of August, and she went back up to Bloomsburg University. Okay. And uh, I wanted to make it work. We wanted to make it work. And so I'd write her, but I would drive up there once a week. Wow. How long of a drive is that? 250 miles one way. So 500 miles a week, I drove to go up and see her. Wow. So we just had, and we just had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, we goofed around and uh, um, that kind of thing. So so while she was up there, I was down in Bloomsburg University. I'm, I'm sorry, down in uh, Rehoboth working, uh, selling memberships at the campground down there. So Jerry, at this point, your daughter's in college. She's not in the house anymore. You grew up in the church and I'm sure raised your kids in the church and your kids are meeting Mike in a bar. So what was that like for you as a parent to know that this was sort of the life that your kids were living? It was um, very trying and very difficult. I couldn't believe this was the same girl that sang in the youth choir, played in the orchestra, took notes and Pastor Crichton sermons in detail, and now she's away from the Lord. And um, I was uh, in family ministry, 
doing family conferences and marriage seminars and, and family counseling, and here my own daughter is away from the Lord or maybe not even saved, we didn't know which. And um, we would hear rumors from, from the college of how she was living, and we could tell by her attitude when we would go see her that she wasn't walking with the Lord. And that was very, very difficult. Yeah, I'm sure. And at what point did you learn about Mike? And what did you know about him before you met him? Well, because our son was there and knew Mike, he said, he's a character. I'll tell you that, he's a character. (laughs) And we still know he's a character. (laughs) And uh, so that's about all I knew. And we'd hear a little bit from Tammy about him. But that's about all I knew. And he was a salesman. And of course, we had in mind that our daughter would marry some famous preacher's daughter by traveling over the country, like a, a pastor's daughter or something. And and here she is with this traveling salesman that's a non-Christian. It was very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Because you have these expectations and then all of a sudden it's like, this is not happening. Right. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, too, is that I know they had been praying for years that God would bring a godly man into their life, and I was the last thing they wanted. Mm. Right? Yeah, Yeah. because you didn't know the Lord. At least we figured you didn't know the Lord. We didn't know you that well yet. No, I didn't. (laughs) So so at what point did you two meet each other? Because at this point, you kind of just know of each other, but you've never met. Yeah, well, we did meet... uh, We had him for Thanksgiving (laughs) okay, uh, to get to know him. And then we learned that he was a character. I bet. But we were still, I talked to him a little bit. Oh, I'm going to be, I was a, I was going to be a priest and this and that. And and he tried to act religious, you know, but you could tell he didn't really know the Lord. So that's when we first met him. But then something happened that brought him to our house. And you can explain that. Well, the other thing too, just for a background information, I was raised Catholic. Okay. And uh, I went to a private Catholic school. And when I got into the University of Wisconsin, an extension of the Wisconsin called La Crosse, I was a part of what they call the Newman Center. The Newman Center is the Catholic church on campus. I was very involved there, and I would plan retreats and so forth. And there was a time that I thought I could be a priest, okay? The problem with that is that my roommate said, you're the biggest hypocrite that's ever lived. He knew me. I, I roomed with him four years in a row. He knew that on the weekends, I'm out just doing things. He's going, you are nothing but a hypocrite, Darius. You know? mm. But it was really, when you look back, it's true. But, but you don't know any different back then. You just go to church, do your thing, and, and you go out and have fun, right? Right. So what happened, in a sense, when I went down to, to Rehoboth, Delaware, they, uh, they wanted someone to go up to the Reading area and entice RVs to come down to the ocean there. And they promised more money. So what I did is I left there and I moved up to Reading. And so what I did full time up there was just go out and find RV owners and talk to them and have them come down to the resort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which was a good, good thing for a while. But again, uh, we began to run out of people to talk to. Uh, they weren't willing to pay me. So what happened was I remember being down there and they, they pulled me aside and said, Mike, he says, we're just going to, we're going to have to let you go. Wow. I said, why can't I come back down? I know we're just going to let you go. And that was really hard because here I got this place in Reading. I remember coming home that, that night. I had lost my job. I was foolish with my money. I had squandered a lot of my money. And I felt a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of shame. 
life was really, really difficult. And I remember coming around the corner and, and coming up this hill, and I thought, oh, some poor guy's home's on fire. And um, the place I stayed burned that night. And so remember, I left Wisconsin. I came out here. I had no family. I had no money. I had no place to live. I remember it was 1.30 in the morning, and I cried like a baby, and there's black ashes everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and I, said, I said, Lord, I said, I'm yours. I wasn't a Christian. I had tried New Age. I had tried religion, and really God was more like a rabbit's foot to me. Mm. You, you come and you make me money. I prayed only when I needed him, but at this point, he had stripped everything out of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was distraught, dismayed. I was completely empty on the inside, inside, and I knew I did not know God, but I knew about God. Mm. And of course, I'm saying, like, what, what am I going to do, right? So I called Tammy up in Bloomsburg. I said, I, my place just burned. I, I have no place to stay. I said, I don't know what to do. She goes, well, maybe I'll call my parents. So she calls her mom and dad, and, and uh, so I went up and stayed with her that night, and, and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll have them come in. And, and you said it would only be two or three weeks. I said it would be like a week or two yeah, at the yeah. most, because yeah. I figured it would be back they, on my feet. They thought they could rebuild his house in, in a couple of weeks, and we said, sure, we could take him a couple of weeks. So what happened was a week turned into two weeks, and two weeks turned into four months, <gasps> okay? And you got to realize, there's a great man over here. Mm. I mean, he just... He has such a heart for the lost, mm. you know, and in my life was really actually unraveling at this point in time. Yeah. And of course, he's a marriage counselor. He hauls me down to his counseling office, right? I didn't know what's going on. And he asked me a question. He says, uh, he goes, Mike, he says, you going to heaven? And um, I said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Kind of not cocky, but yeah. I mean, I, I go to church and I'm a pretty good guy. And I said, why else does someone go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, then he says, he says, I'm sorry. He said before that, he says, what do you base that on? Mm. Are you going to heaven? I said, yes. He says, what do you base that on? I said, because I go to church. I'm a pretty good person. Why else would someone go to heaven? And you have to realize that God had prepared the soil of my heart. Mm-hmm. Almost like the parable of the sowers. Yeah. I mean, my heart was, was ready. And when he shared with me that my eternal life wasn't based on what I do or don't do, God, not me, Open my heart like you did Lydia to respond to the things spoken by Jerry. Mm. And I got it. Wow. And I got saved. And God went from being my being my judge to being my father. And I knew I was forgiven. And I began to pick up hitchhikers. I began to go door to door. I began to just share Christ. What happened to me could happen to them. Mm. I knew what had happened. And I, if I may add. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The thing that was so unique was how hungry he was for God. Once he found him, he just wanted to share it with everybody. And he wanted to learn the Bible. He, he wanted to grow and, and learn the Bible. Now, Tammy was brought up in the, in the church and with the Lord. She knew the Bible well, front and backwards. Yeah. She knew the Bible, but she lacked the faith. Mm. He had the faith now, but didn't know the Bible. And so when the two of them would talk, he would encourage her faith and she would encourage him in sharing the scriptures. And God used that to bring them together. Yeah. God knew what he was doing. It, it was a God thing. You look back on it, you can just see God in the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And, and um, when Tammy saw it happen to me, PC, the first time we met in that bar, she asked me if I believed in God. Huh. Isn't that an interesting question? Yeah. And I said, of course I believe in God. I said, ever met an eight-year-old atheist? 
And years later, she came back and said that was very refreshing at that time to hear that from mm-hmm. an outsider because all her acquaintances and all her family kept, you know, but to hear it from someone from in Nowhere Land, it meant a lot to her. So when she saw me come back on track, it brought her back on track. We began to read the scriptures, and um, uh, nine months later, we got married. Wow. But I got to share something with you just really quick. Yes. When I got saved, I mean, I, I was going up to Bloomsburg to meet Tammy, and I was looking for a rock and roll station. Mm-hmm. I loved ACDC. I loved Aerosmith. I loved Kiss. I was in all this kind of weird music, you know? And uh, on the way up there, some guy came on the radio station talking about the Bible. And I never even heard of a radio station. So I thought, oh, because I'm searching for channels, right? Yeah. And I stop it, and this guy uses the word, uh, like a Greek word meaning power from Ephesians 6, dynamite. And I'm like, whoa, this is insanity. And, and I, w- I, was, I was so pumped and so excited. I've never heard anything like this in my life. And so I get on the phone right away, and I call this, whoever this guy is out in California, and I ordered, their ta- he ordered his tapes, right? Huh. Oh, and, and we, were, we were excited and yet scared. Because he said, I heard this guy on the radio from California, and he was all excited about it. And we thought, this could be a cult, this could be a geek, you know. Right. Do knows what he's getting into. Right. And here it was John MacArthur. Oh, <laughs> my God. So from day one, I got tied into the ministry, began to just gobble up whatever yep. I could learn. Because he's, he's just a really good teacher. Yeah. And so from day one, I've been. And the other thing I got to say, too, is when it comes to her, like, Tammy had the, had the knowledge, didn't have the faith. I remember, because I've been memorizing scripture from day one, right? And I ran up to her and I said, I just learned this Bible verse in 2 Matthew. <laughs> and she goes, 2 Matthew? There is no 2 Matthew. I said, what? There isn't? I, knew, I mean, I knew nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then remember, we remember we were talking about the, the return of Christ, yeah. was it, and the rapture? Yeah. I'm a 27-year-old man, and I'm on his couch, on my feet, jumping up and down, excited oh. about... It was so neat. You know, we hear it all the time, and we just take it for granted from little on up. We know that the Lord's coming back. But when he understood that truth, he was just as excited, jumping up and down, the Lord is going to come. The Lord is going to come. And that enthusiasm is with him to this day. He's enthused about the Word of God. He shares the Word of God. He memorizes the Word of God. And to realize where he came from and how God used all this and brought the two together. It's unbelievable. And it, it is unbelievable. It is a miracle. Yes. It is a miracle. Yes, it is a miracle. And the other interesting thing, just to say this, is in Acts chapter 10, it talks about Cornelius and Peter, mm-hmm. right? Cornelius has his vision. Peter has his uh, tarp coming down. And at the perfect time, God prepared the receiver, Cornelius, and the one giving the message, Peter. And at the perfect time, Cornelius got saved. God prepared all the circumstances for that moment. And that's exactly what happened with, with Tammy and myself. Mm. And we were so concerned because I'm referring to Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with the lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? This was our belief that we taught our kids that I preached all over the place that these young people should not marry a non Christian. And here's our daughter dating a non-Christian, hmm. and she she said she was an agnostic. Wow. She didn't even believe in in the God we believed in and taught her. So I envisioned her marrying a non-Christian and being hostile to the gospel, not allowing us to teach our grandchildren the gospel. Mm. 
and now to see him bringing the, and Tammy bringing these kids up, they love the Lord, they all follow the Lord, and to have a Christian family of what it could have been and what it is now, mm. it was the grace of God, answered prayer, and I want that to be an encouragement to any of you out there who have a wayward child or adult that isn't living for the Lord, don't give up, keep praying, and don't take too much of the blame either. Dr. Narmer used to say, when your kids turn out well, don't take too much of the credit, and when they don't, don't take too much of the blame. Mm. If you taught them the Word of God, don't preach and nag, just state your case and then commit it to the Lord, and that was hard to do. Yeah. Uh, at times, they wanted to push and preach and nag, but just just commit it to the Lord, stand firm, keep praying. And again, don't misunderstand Proverbs when it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That is not a guarantee. A person's an adult, and we each make our own decision before the Lord, mm-hmm. not families. Each individual has to believe for themselves, and we can't make anybody believe. But a statement that's usually true that if you bring them up in the word of God, in time they will come to know the Lord, come back to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So that brings me to another question. What prompted you and your wife to open your home to Mike in his time of need? Simply because it was a need, because he had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even think a second thought about it. We were glad to take him in, Christian or non-Christian, what do you do? Here's a person needs help and um, out of love for him and for Tammy and what we felt the Lord would have us do to open our home. We didn't even think anything about it. Mm. Now, we did think <laughs> it was only going to be a couple of weeks. <laughs> if we knew it was going to be four, four months. months, if we knew it was going to be four months, we might have questioned it a little bit. <laughs> How far into that time did this conversation that you mentioned happen when he asked you if you were going to heaven? About two weeks. Uh-huh. Wow. So about the time that he thought you were going to be leaving. <laughs> he thought, maybe I can share it out. Yeah. I got to get him saved before he gets out of here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And the nice thing, too, is that it's so great it happened early because, because it's like having a built-in discipleship with, with Jerry and his, his wife, right? They brought me to church. I met Pastor Crichton. Uh, we talked about things. I mean, I, I grew up in a large family, so... I don't think intentionally, but sometimes you feel like you get lost from your parents. And so I had some issues I had to work through, and they really helped me through that process. And I wasn't super close with my mom. So so Judy, Jerry's wife, really became a second mom to me. So they really became family. They really helped me through a time that I needed help with. So not only did I get saved, but there was a, a sincere discipleship going on there to get me to where I need to be. So that was very, very good, too. And, and another interesting thing, when we brought him to church and we introduced him to Pastor Crichton, he sees him as a father, like the priest in the Catholic oh. Church. Pastor Crichton introduced his wife to him, and he said, what is the father married? <laughs> they get married? <laughs> that was all you knew. Yeah, That's right, funny. right. Oh, my goodness. So it was a total, like, culture shift for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a... It's a you're, 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 you're born again. Uh, the living God lives inside of you. You, you. you get the basics. You know you're now in his, in his family. Yeah. You'd, nobody, I, knew, I didn't even think there were Christians in Wisconsin. I wow. know there are, but uh, <laughs> obviously. But you know, when you're a Catholic, you'd put your time in on Sundays. You'd do your thing, you know, that kind of thing. So, 
And he he was very upset with the with his priest that he did not tell him how to be born again. And he went to him and talked to him. Why didn't you tell me I had to be born again? And he explained the gospel to him. And do I have that story right? You, yeah, well, uh, yes, we had a nice conversation. Yeah, we just talked about the things of Christ and talked about well, how one comes to faith and and in uh, our Lord. How old were you when you had that conversation? Uh, I would have been probably 29, maybe wow. 30. Because he was a dear friend from college. Sure. And he was going into the priesthood, and we would pray together and do things together. And, you know, when, when you're saved, you get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has given us his, his spirit. Yeah. I mean, a Christian is God living inside you. You understand what's going on. Yeah. You may not know all the details, but you know you're his now. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah. So you had a fire right away to go share. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, God has been very gracious. Uh, to allow us to continue to be more molded and transformed like he is. So, you know, when we have opportunity, we, we talk to people mm-hmm. because we don't talk about hell much, but if that's true and people need to know what's going on, I think. Yeah. If, yeah. if I recall, Tammy said, you know, my rebellion was probably more against the Lord than against you huh. or, or mom. Yeah. And I think you need to remember that out there if you have a wayward child. It could be that they're actually rebelling more against the Lord mm-hmm. uh, than you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's good, and we did. We evaluated ourselves and our parenting and apologized if there's any area where we failed you. Mm. Uh, we're sorry mm-hmm. to take care of the part that could have been that. And I traveled a lot and was away a lot in preaching and evangelism. But Tammy insists that uh, that wasn't it, that when I was home, I spent a lot of time with them, and she wasn't angry about that anyway. Mm. And again, the big question I often have, too, is I'm not sure Tammy's even clear on it. Did she really get saved and come to the end of herself and really come to trust the Lord? Or was she backslidden because she did accept Christ supposedly at age four? Yeah. So it's not clear whether she really came back to the Lord or truly got saved then. But God knows that, and it really doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> amen, amen. Yeah, we all have our own stories and our own journeys with the Lord, and and he knows our hearts. Yeah. Amen. So after these four months and you left the Brubaker's house, what did your relationship with each other look like? And then, Mike, how did you continue to grow in your faith? Well, um, I got involved in in-home sales, selling uh, water treatment equipment, and that's how I got myself back in my feet. I think our relationship was was fantastic. I mean, he was the one who shared the good news. He really is my father in the faith, mm. as Paul talks about, you know. And I was just so excited. From day one, and this is by God's doing, I mean, I just listened to tapes and read, and I memorized a lot. I want to know how to articulate this to the unbeliever. Yeah. It wasn't good just for me personally. I needed to know John 3.16. And so I'm out sharing the faith. Some would say, well, you know, born again means reincarnation. Mm. What? What do you mean it means reincarnation? I went to my pastor. Uh, he said, this is what it means. I took the scriptures and memorized that. So next time I'm out there, if I came up against that, I could refute that. You know, what I try to do for the last 37 years is to set goals that hopefully as a pattern you don't become complacent in your faith. Mm-hmm. So it's always been Bible memory. It's always been reading. I went back to school to study. 
Um, otherwise, it's it's easy to to drift away. So uh, it's really important to just set goals, biblical goals. You just need to keep inputting God's word and then having a dependence on that truth and trusting that truth. Mm. But once you get away from God's word, personally speaking, we don't gravitate toward God. We, we just want to go the other direction. Our flesh just loves to go, right? Mm-hmm. So growth came through reading and studying. Listen to John MacArthur, big influence on that. And, uh, and, and you never mentioned it, but he, you did graduate from seminary, from MacArthur Seminary, right? I did go back to school for uh, eight years. Wow. So I went back out to the master's. Our kids were one-year-old and three-year-old. We had nothing. We just moved across the country. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was crazy, right? But I wanted to study. And so we spent eight and a half years, eight years there that I ministered up in California teaching at a, a Christian school, teaching the Bible. So that was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Total 180 <laughs> from, from where you were when you met Dammy. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Jerry, for you... What was it like to see Mike continue to grow? Oh, that was just exciting. We saw them getting closer and closer. And when it came time for engagement or marriage, we were then excited about it. And we still are. It's just such a blessing to see that family. When we go to family gatherings at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that, uh, we just sit there and look at all these grandchildren and great-grandchildren, all of them studying and reading the Word of God and praying. It's just such a blessing. Yeah. And it could have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing that you went from skeptical and concerned to marveling. Yes. The grace of God. The grace of God. Amen. Yeah. Have you been encouraged by the stories you've heard on Pursuing Life? God is doing a great work in the lives of his people, and we know that there are still so many stories to be told. Many of the stories you've heard on Pursuing Life have been told as the result of someone else's encouragement. At times, it's easy to recognize God at work in our stories, but other times, we need others to remind us of the good work they see God doing in our lives. So whether you have a story of your own or a story you want to encourage someone else to share, we invite you to submit those stories at calvarychurch.org slash share a story so that we can continue to celebrate the work that he is doing in, around, and through us. As we do that, we not only give God glory, but encourage each other as we pursue life in Christ together. You touched on this a little bit earlier, Jerry, but can we talk a little bit about legacy? How has this story impacted really the next generation of your family? Well, um, just to hear them talk even about the experience, Tammy and Mike will share about it, and we all just rejoice, and the kids just marvel at hearing the story of how this was. So hopefully that's the same for them. Yeah. And also in my ministry to be able to help others who are going through this, I'm able to share with them to not lose hope. Mike, what about for you when you think about legacy? That guy over there when I think <laughs> about legacy. I mean, the, how long have you been married, Jerry? How many years? Like 82? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, we're coming up on 67, I believe. Wow, yeah. praise the Lord. How does, she, how does she do it? Just thinking out loud here. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's it's just wonderful to be married to a woman that loves the Lord and loves me, and that's the grace of God too. Yeah, yeah. So when I think of legacy, when I think of these two, how faithful they've been toward each other, 
how faithful they've been toward praying for Tammy. They are really the, the bedrock and the foundation of this family. And uh, Judy is a phenomenal wife. She's a phenomenal mom. He's a great husband, great father. He's, he still teaches, right? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So when everybody thinks of grandma and grandpa, the kids, they, they just love them. And so it will be a legacy. And rightly so, like you always say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, right? But it's, it's amazing. So they're just great people, right? They've been Christians for years. You know, I, I, it's interesting because, you know, being raised in the church as a young person is, is really amazing. And there's almost a, a social purity there. We're all sinners, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes I wish I got saved at four, mm. you know, but I got saved at 27. Now, then I know what I came out of. I have a lot of garbage in my past, right? So kind of like Paul, but I love the fact that they've been Christians for decades. They live the life. He teaches. Judy's a wonderful wife. And his, his legacy is absolutely there. Yeah. And the example that they set for you. So then you could set the example for your kids and then hopefully they can do the same for theirs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that helps too is when you're a first time Christian, I mean, it, it just, it just permeates what you are. Mm-hmm. This isn't about me being a Christian for my family. Right. I'm, I'm a Christian because I love Christ and I just want to do what's right. Right. right? They, it just, it just, it's what we are. Yeah. You're not trying to be something. Right. You know, right. so it, it, the kids, they learn and they, they have the zeal and whatever that is. So, yeah. And it occurs to me, too, that that's exactly right. You don't do it for your family, but the way that you live your life because you love Christ then permeates down through your family and it impacts the people that you rub shoulders with and you interact with in your daily life. And that's that idea of it's not... We, we don't do our works as, you know, you may have grown up believing to please God, but we do those works because of our love for God. And it's that overflow that then has that sort of ripple effect into the people around us. And then we become a family who has a Christian heritage and sticks to it and is faithful is a good testimony. Yes. We become salt and light in this society. <laughs> as and that's becoming more and more rare mm-hmm. as there's so many divorces and so much hate and to see a family of love is a great testimony on the block where you live yeah let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father Absol- in heaven absolutely right? mm-hmm. salt and light reflect his glory but it's not easy no. Uh, we're, everybody knows that i mean if if you if you love christ you'd realize how weak you are mm-hmm. <laughs> you realize it's his goodness Yeah, it is for sure. My final question is a question I've been asking everybody who I've interviewed in this series. So I am looking forward to hearing your answers to this. And that question is, what is family to you? And what has family taught you about God? Well, family to me is, first of all, to be sure and do your best that everyone comes to hear and know the gospel from early on up and have a chance to receive Christ as Savior, and then to try to ground them in the Word of God, teaching them the Word of God, and then to be an example of that. You can't teach it and then not live it. Mm. You're not going to do that perfectly, but that that needs to be the goal. Mm-hmm. And my big prayer all the time is, and I pray this in my heart, and I pray it whenever I pray with the family, Lord, keep us close to you and to each other. Mm. Not have rifts. 
check it right away. If someone's not talking to somebody else, let's straighten it out right away and keep open. And um, some of our children or grandchildren may not go to the type of church we would like, or we maybe don't hold some of the same views theologically. We're not afraid to talk about that out front, but then let it go because family together is more important than letting that come between us. Mm. So that unity is so important that we don't insist everybody be in a box and we have to agree on everything. Yes, I love that. Well, it's hard to improve on that. Um, <laughs> well, I think of family. I, I think of the, the very foundation that, that builds a society. I mean, without family, things fall apart. If mom and dad aren't together, it makes it tough. Uh, there's the family of God, those who love Christ and we're in, we're in the same family. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how to respond to that. I mean, family is just, it's everything. You, you, have, a, you have a husband, wife, you raise up offspring. For what purpose? God says, I created you and I formed you and I made you to display my glory. So everything in the family has to be built around what Jerry was saying about knowing Christ, knowing his word, and, and exalting God that we might proclaim his excellencies who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? Mm-hmm. So the family represents, represents God. Mm-hmm. It really does. So I don't know how you add to that, but yeah, family is, it's, it's everything. And if you look at society, you can see why it's crumbling because there is no family. I mean, we're, we're, you understand all that. Anybody listening understands that. So, as, as it's been said many times, years ago anyway, as the family goes, so goes the nation. If that's true, we're in real trouble. So all the more important to be unified in our families, as you said, Jerry. It's, it's just really important to be humble it's really important to always put the other person first, and that helps the relationships of what's going on. I mean, it can't be about you. It's got to be about other people. Love is, is for the other person. We, we need to learn to bury ourselves and, and serve and love people. Mm-hmm. And that really, if that's true in the family, then it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to last. Yeah. makes me think of when Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. What does it look like to treat others and love others the way that we would want them to love us, the way that Christ has loved us? Just, just as we love, nourish, and cherish ourselves, so we should love, nourish, and cherish others. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Well, Mike and Jerry, thank you for your willingness to share your story and to put God on display to encourage others who may be in similar seasons of life. And we just pray that God would be glorified in this as I know he already has been. We pray that he will continue to be. So thank you. And thank you. Thank you. While the story Mike and Jerry just told is really the story of how Mike came to know Jesus as his savior, it's also a story about loving others. It's a story about parenting. It's a story about how to respond to our loved ones who have gone astray. It's a story about discipleship. And yes, it's a story about family. If you know someone who might be encouraged by what Mike and Jerry talked about today, please feel free to share this episode. It's our desire that the story shared on pursuing life would be a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to all who listen. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Pursuing Life so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. 
Thanks so much for tuning in and have a great week.